I'm sick of starting the show. You say something. <laughs> well, you know what I'm... I was sick of. And it's nice to be not sick of it anymore as much. But I missed... Can I guess? Please, do it. Um... Uh... Uh... uh gout. Did you have gout? <laughs> No, I did not. But I would be okay. sick of it if I'm I did. Fresh have out of it. ideas. I would be sick of it if I did have it. I was just tired of the of the current world climate, and I know it's the least on the hierarchy of things that matter as far as just daily life. New releases, as far as films, just weren't that plentiful for the most part. Not as much yeah. as say normal everyday life before COVID, before all these things. So I, you know, I missed kind of doing new releases, both new releases I anticipated, both new releases that I was just doing because, hey, like it's new, it's fun. We should just, we should review it. We do a movie podcast and it's, it's nice to kind of get a touch of that normalcy. Obviously we weren't in a theater, but my understanding is some people saw it in theaters. I'm assuming in the States, but, um, it, it, yeah, regardless, I am not, I am happy that we get a new release today and hopefully it's a sign of things to come there's other new releases that i look forward to that you look forward to looking at you james bond 27 but um (laughs) there's there's this summer i'm excited i think as far as new releases go i think this is going to be a fairly redemptive summer um because looking looking ahead at our schedule and at, at like the release schedule this summer, it's good. There's like some as far as new releases go. There's some heavy lifting for us to do this summer. Oh yeah, uh, and so I'm looking forward to it. I, I there's some films I'm absolutely pumped about. Uh, I think our next new release is a Pixar film, and then mm. the next new release that we're doing after that is an MCU film. So I don't know, <laughs> like it's I you know if that's not basically christmas i don't i don't know what is (laughs) those are pretty big players in the whole cinematic landscape so yeah it's it's exciting and it's nice yeah Um, Uh, yeah, so welcome welcome to the movie man podcast thank you Um, All right, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, boys. No, welcome. We are reviewing the new Disney film Cruella. Uh, oh, starring... we are? Shoot. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll wing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Which Disney film did you review? Did you watch? Uh, it doesn't matter. Mm, it okay. doesn't matter. Okay. Oh. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of a big deal. Yeah, but 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 for the record, then next week can we talk about The Rocketeer? Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk after. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. This is a big deal. It's got some big names. Uh, it's uh, a big player, obviously, in the Disney landscape. Um, so I'd, I'd like to... Sorry, before we go any further, I really? think it's just important to say, as as is the case with all of our episodes, but particularly because this is a new release and maybe not everyone has, has dished out the premium access for it yet or mm. has had the chance to go see it in the theater, we are going to, spoiler heavy, we are going to talk about this film. We're going to do a deep dive into some spoilers. Um, So if you haven't seen Cruella yet uh, and you are, um, you know, you're someone who's, who's going to have their life ruined by having this movie spoiled in advance, um, you know, 
maybe don't listen to this episode yet. Uh, but definitely come back and listen to it once you, you know, once you, once you've seen the movie. Uh, but if you're just listening to this because you're like, you know, one of our mothers or you're married to one of us, then, <laughs> then keep listening. Then, then it doesn't matter. And thank you for showing up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's my little disclaimer. It's interesting. You know, we've been in a routine like, yeah, it's again, we haven't done new releases for a while. So usually it's a film, you know, hey, if it's from 2004, you know, come on, like you've had your 15 years to watch it. But yeah, this film is literally hardly a week old. So um, good job with the warning. We also we also haven't talked about it at all. Like we I watched this movie uh, several days ago. Uh, what night would I have watched it? I watched it Friday. This is Tuesday. I watched it Friday. Uh, so the day it came out. Oh, or, wow. Yeah. Yeah? It came out on the Friday, right? Mm. Yeah, I watched mm. it the day it came out. Um, and uh, and you've you've now seen it as well. Yes. Uh, but we, we have not discussed this film with each other at all i have <laughs> i have no idea what you thought of it and you have no idea what i thought of it i for a moment thought you tipped your cards when you said i watched it several and i thought you were going to say several times and i was going to say wow that's interesting oh, no. but yeah several days no, no. ago okay yeah so uh yeah so it's it's interesting for me like i i literally you know the listener as far as knowing what you think of this film i'm in the same boat as as the listener and vice versa you're in the same Mm. boat as the listener you have no idea i i may have loved this film i could absolutely hate this film um (laughs) and us being completely in the dark about what the other person thinks about it is something that doesn't happen like we don't you know, we don't discuss the films a lot prior to recording, but typically I, I would say more often than not, we go in with a bit of a sense of like what the dynamic might be for the episode. Mm. Um, but this is, this is a blank slate. This is Pandora's box. Anything could happen. And it's, I don't know. It's exciting. I don't know. I don't know why it it's is. got, I don't know why that's got me so, <laughs> so like, you know, euphoric but i'm i'm excited (laughs) yeah it wasn't like when we watched joker and even though we like were in this like even though we didn't talk about specifics before we made the episode and talked about it on our drive home this is pre-covid obviously on our drive home together we could just sense like we could just smell each other's uh, various responses like you could smell the anxiety and the stress coming off of me and I could smell the wow what did I just see in a good way coming off of you so this we are totally I, blind like we are blind yeah, as bats. I, I, coming out of Joker I was well aware that the color had left your face and, that, <laughs> and had gone straight you know, to yours straight and to had yours. come straight to mine that yeah i was like i was about ready to pop a blood vessel from excitement yeah <laughs> basically uh yeah so let's let, let's do this um, let's get into it so you you went into this movie somewhat blind right like yeah. you kind of av- you'd seen maybe a tv spot mm. but for the most part you'd avoided like proper official trailers and that's stuff. right yeah i did uh so so what do you think 
You know, um, I, I, I like you said, I went into it blind as far as not seeing trailers for this film. I had seen the uh, the original cartoon from the '60s. I'm pretty certain I had seen the Disney live action 101 Dalmatians, um, which are obviously tied to this movie we were reviewing today. Um, so I, I knew a little bit about the premise, obviously. Uh, is it? How so? What do you mean? This is, this is, are you, are you, you're saying it is tied to the live action one from the nineties? I'm, I'm, I don't have enough memory to say if it is or not. I, I'm just saying it's loosely tied to Cruella, who is in the cartoon, and I know is okay. in the live action, but I don't. I honestly don't remember much about the live action, other than there's like some kid playing video games, and I don't even remember why. Uh, right. So I, I think from so here I, on out, I will I can only confirm <laughs> that I don't think like this Cruella is in no way oh okay. a prequel to it's not like it's not like when they did Oz the Great and Powerful and James Frank like if it, it was supposed to be the same uh, Wizard of Oz it was hmm. uh, this is an entire this is a a complete reboot hmm yeah okay okay see I wasn't sure about that and I'm still I'm that changes my perspective a little bit, but um, regardless, it's the same character, but a different interpretation. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. But yeah, I, you know, it was an interesting film, so I went into it blind, so uh, I, I was able to have a blank palette or a blank slate. Um, just in a nutshell, I thought it was interesting. Um, star-studded, a lot of good stars, not just, you know, Justin Timberlake and other random actors what who you don't really care about shot but are, are famous. You, Justin Timberlake is an incredible actor. What it, What is this shot that you're taking? <laughs> Justin Timberlake is great. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a voice, like his voice work in the Trolls movies and then him showing up as Sean Parker in the social network. I think Justin Timberlake's oh, okay. a great actor. You know, I've only seen him in the social network and I have to agree it wasn't bad, but I haven't seen him in enough to say, uh, give him a resounding endorsement. So till then, oh, okay. yeah, he, till then yeah, he's the whipping boy. <laughs> oh. Till then he's the whipping boy. Regardless, actually star-studded actors, but good actors, ones that I'm familiar with, ones that I think are in my circle of trust to a degree. And um, I, I, I had maybe some issues with the pace. I thought it started off a bit slow. Um, and it, it eventually picked up, but it is a long film and that's the first thing I'll say. Um, and for its length, I thought they could have used the early portion of the film a little more effectively. So either just trim the fat and just get rid of parts completely or really just pick up the pace and pick up the tone. And if you're going to use that much length, use it effectively throughout. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you know, I, I, I got exactly kind of wanted what I wanted to get out of it. And um, I've got some good things that I'll we'll get into as it comes up naturally. And there's some things that I think that they maybe missed on an opportunity to do more with something. But um, we'll, we'll get into that too as it comes up naturally. But ultimately, yeah, it's a fun, a fun film, I guess you could call it. And, you know, I, I guess I'm just so happy to see something new and something just completely different that I, as long as it wasn't the Joker and it definitely wasn't the Joker. I see some similarities. We talked about that. Um, but 
it's 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 the PG version of the Joker where there's you know you get this character who then kind of has a moral decline and does some different dramatic things but at least with this it's it's a little bit more palatable but, sure but what did you think um i think that this is i think this film is every bit what you had wanted the joker to be <laughs> i think when you <laughs> sat down in the uh in the theater to watch joker i think you were i think you were I think you were hungry for something a little more like <laughs> this than maybe the uh right the bloodbath that you got. Um I so a little bit a little bit of backstory here. I'll give you a little context. I um was not I'm not a fan of the original cartoon. And when I say I'm not a fan of it, that doesn't mean I don't like it. It's sure. it's that I'm not I ha- I have no nist. I I don't know that I've ever seen it. Oh, I don't know that okay. I've ever seen the animated sure. one. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, I certainly did own uh, both one hundred and one Dalmatians, the the Glenn Close, um, Jeff Daniels, nineties <laughs> uh, live action one, uh, as well as the sequel, one hundred and two Dalmatians. Um, which saw the reprisal of Glenn Close, but focused around different different characters. Um, the to, the the um, the one hundred and one Dalmatians, the live action one, was fairly. My understanding, though, is although it was set maybe in the nineties, um, oh, which also had Hugh Laurie in it, by the way. Uh, hmm. Oh yeah, it's 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 a good movie. It's worth going back, I think. Um, but. Uh, it my understanding is that for the most part like it's fairly faithful to to the original um you know it follows anita and roger and she wants to make a coat and makes it out of the puppies and or wants to make it out of the puppies and so on and so forth which is something i never really understood like she wants to kidnap all these puppies uh and Sure, puppies are small, but like, even if we're using puppy skin to make a coat, <laughs> I don't know. We're talking like twenty dogs max. Like, what the <laughs> hell are you going to do with a hundred and one dogs? Like, I don't know. And you know, actually, it didn't even occur to me until until just right now how mm-hmm. absurd the whole notion is that <laughs> that the dog had a litter of a hundred and one. Oh, but anyways, yeah. Can uh, I can I stop you there? Because this this might be a natural way for something to come up that I really wanted to talk about. So sure, I I what I will agree with is the Joker definitely was like the intense version of a character study that we saw. This would be more tame comparison or a tame adaptation where it doesn't get as dark. But there was one specific point where I may have been okay with it being the Cruella that is getting a lot darker because I thought there was an opportunity and it's going to sound weird and it's dark, but I thought there was a huge opportunity for just some connection, some tie-in and some origin story for this Cruella to, and again, to, to tie in with the Cruella that we saw either in the cartoon or 
the live action. And again, we can talk about maybe this isn't an actual prequel, but it's more like a, a different story in the same universe, but it's two different, you know, it's two versions of the same character. But I thought it would have been incredibly, I, this is really specific, but when we have Cruella as an orphan, and there's this whole bit with the necklace and, you know, she, she kind of becomes obsessed with it. And I guess it starts with Estella and then turns into Cruella, but regardless, yeah, she becomes obsessed with finding this necklace and her obsession in some, at some points overtook her rational thought. Like we saw this and I thought that it would have been interesting that if we see this desire in the cartoon and in the live action for her to capture and for her to kill all these Dalmatians to quote unquote make a coat, I thought, wow, what an interesting way if instead it wasn't true, like if that was just what she was saying, but if it was truly, if she had never found the necklace that the dog ate and she had this perpetual search for the necklace she lost and it was more of a psychosis, like a psychological thing where she would have just always been searching for that like that next dog that maybe that's the dog that ate the necklace and she never found even the dog. Even though rationally that, she knows it isn't. Even though rationally, like a logical human being, you could sit down and be like, listen, that dog, like of all the hundreds of dogs, it's probably not even one of these dogs. But there was just some psychological underpinning to why she was doing what she was doing in the cartoons and live action. And it just struck out to me that when I saw this happening, as it unfolded with us, I was like, ooh, I don't know if this is where it's going, but I could see this being really dark and a real interesting layer to add to this villain about why she does what she does. And it's not even the logical because you, you make the point like she doesn't need a hundred dogs like you need a couple. And it seemed this is seemed making me uncomfortable just thinking about killing dogs for, for making coats. But regardless, I, I just thought it would have been such an interesting psychological component. And it honestly... Maybe this is why I liked it. Maybe it just hit the great Gatsby in me, but it would have been that whole beating on against boats against the current thing, reaching for the green light that even though Gatsby's reaching for the green light, he's never actually going to repeat his past and find Daisy. It would have been the same with Corella. She's never actually going to find that necklace, even though she's killing all these dogs and she's never going to bring back her mother or bring back her family lineage. And that obviously right. the necklace has a far different purpose for what we see in this film. But I thought that would have, for me, I would have just been all over that if that had been what we saw. Sure. Sure. But yeah, that's continue. Cool. Sorry. That um, was a really side, side tangent. So continue. No, no, that's good. Um, yeah, so uh so anyways, so I went into this excited because it looked dark and excited because it's Emma Stone. Um but I didn't have the and and excited because I really enjoy the 90s one, but I didn't have this like OG <laughs> um nostalgic kind of thing for 101 Dalmatians. It, it just mm. wasn't one of the more popular Disney movies in my house when I was sure. uh, when I was a kid. Yep. Um I went into it. The two things I told you about this film that I had heard from people who saw an early, early release of it, um, like film pundits, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. prior to us, prior to me watching it, prior to you watching it, the two things I'd heard 
um, and then I communicated with you was uh, it's longer than people expect, mm. which you've already echoed. And yep. two is that it's darker than people expect. So mm. I went into this movie thinking this is going to be really dark. Right. And within the first five minutes of this film, I was still shocked at some of the things that like I went mm. into this going, oh, it's going to be dark. And then I was like, oh, oh, this is like dark, dark. Mm. Like this is like who turned out the lights dark. Um, <laughs> you know, every everything just just things that shocked me from a Disney standpoint, everything sure. from from holding up naked baby Cruella and seeing seeing the baby's bare butt like that was you know it's it's pretty uh it's pretty tame nudity as far as nudity goes um mm. but but that kind of surprised me a little bit i was like oh god like this is this disney um <laughs> and then uh and then certainly um who we spend most of the film thinking was cruella's actual mother but her, her adoptive mother uh seeing her just just pushed off the cliff by the dog fall to her death um, that was yeah that was pretty intense it was very intense and to have estella sitting there watching it and, and all of this stuff um really caught me off guard so you know i it it was long i didn't have the same issue that you had i think with the pacing mm. um I thought there was a lot of character development that happened. I really liked seeing. Here's the thing: you had to, you had to, like you, you know, you uh, with a person like Cruella, or the Joker, um, or the Maleficent movie, or or any of these things, any origin stories. Uh, the thing about an origin story is it's not about the destination we know we know what's going to happen we know who they're going to become uh so in an origin story it's simply about how that how we reach the destination it's about the journey it's about taking someone who you're supposed to hate and and having enough character development to create empathy with this character so that you start to root for the villain you start to want the villain to to win um and i think that takes time and i think it you know you you had to you had to really kind of spend the time with Jasper and, and Horace and, and see her, her childhood connection with them. Um, and, and all of the fun that they've gotten into together so that, you know, so that you really felt something when they started to notice a change in her that they weren't happy with, you know, like you had to go, well, yeah, because it's in contrast with X. Um, and so, yeah, I, I enjoyed the length. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a good appropriate length. I thought that it's funny at times, like genuinely funny. Um, Emma Thompson is a lot of people don't realize this, but Emma Thompson is first and foremost a comedic actress. Hmm. Um, 
and so she's funny in like everything she does. Um, <laughs> I I too thought that they were going to use Emma Thompson's three Dalmatians as a uh, a plot device for you know for a, a potential future for Cruella. Right. I didn't necessarily think it would have to do. I mean, but that was earlier on. I I it was before the big reveal about mm. um, about her about the duchess being um cruella's actual mother uh i thought it was just going to be i th- i didn't think it was going to be related to the necklace i thought for most of the film i was like a uh, uh, dalmatian killed her mother right and like, that would be reason maybe enough. that's just a, a scar that never sure. heals um, which like i think you're right like if that happened it would have been like hey we get it we no no explanation needed yeah and i agree but i also i also do think like i you know i'm a fan of i'm a fan of people taking creative liberties when they're reimagining mm. the story however i think there's there's certain things that you need to stay true to in order for them to still be that property for instance you wouldn't do um you wouldn't do a, a Wizard of Oz movie tomorrow and be like, well, we're going to reimagine things a little bit. Um, we're not going to have her follow a yellow brick road. <laughs> you would just be like, that's, you, you right. just, you don't change that. And so I think, I think one of the most fundamental things to the 101 Dalmatian story is that she is a fashion designer who, you know, who is obsessed with furs and, and simply must have what nobody else has, um, you know. So, so I think that, you know, unfortunately, as as interesting as those would be as plot pieces, uh, I think if you tried to move the story forward, and you changed or made a significant change to Cruella's uh, motivation for for the 101 dalmatian story i think the fans would crucify you like i think it's mm. i think it's just too big of a uh deviance from you know from right. what everyone knows and loves uh on the whole though i love this movie um i thought it was good i thought yeah i think it's a i think it's a more pg-13 version of joker essentially <laughs> um yeah. i was i was i did not see the twist coming that sure. that the duchess is Cruella's mom. I didn't see it at all. No. Like even yeah. when uh like so they reveal the birth certificate and I was and the guy I don't know his name, but he's the guy that plays Merlin in um in Kingsman. Uh but the like the oh, butler oh, guy. Oh. Uh so Mark Strong, who of note yes. I, this is literally my first note that I made on my piece of paper. He was also in Sherlock um, like the 2009 Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. And in yeah. those 11, 12 years, he has not aged a day. No, not at all. I think it's the hair. The hair, that's, you know. I guess, but his face, like his face doesn't even look different. He was also in Shazam. He plays a villain in Shazam. Oh, really? I could see it. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, he's like, oh, you know, he, he reveals the thing and, and he's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm you know the duchess has a daughter and i was like oh snap <laughs> and even even in that moment i didn't i wasn't like 
caught up. I was like, oh, snap, the Duchess has a daughter. That's an interesting twist. And then he's like, the daughter is you. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, I was right up <laughs> until the end. Right mm. up as as long as I could be in the dark and oblivious to the twist, I was in sure. the dark and oblivious to the twist, which is right. such a great feeling. It oh, allowed yeah. the twist to have its full For sure. impact. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing is something I want to ask you about. Please. Uh, is, uh, so speaking of Anita and Roger, um, so Anita obviously is in this as mm-hmm. a school uh, an old schoolmate of of cruella or yeah. like a childhood friend um yeah. and um and she now she's basically like a news columnist like she yeah she writes like gossip pieces yeah. and stuff yeah um and roger is in this as as um the duchess's lawyer yeah who uh, who likes to? He'd be a pretty damn good lawyer if it wasn't for the fact that he spends all of his time playing piano in bars, which is <laughs> I, that's what he actually wants to do is is right. write music, right? Yeah. Um. So they're both in it. Uh, and in true post MCU Hollywood fashion, mm-hmm. uh, we get a pretty baller post credit scene. I would agree. Movie. Yeah. Um. A post-credit scene that excites me, I think, because I'm like, yes, okay, like I'm, I am, I'm ready for this. So we see Anita and Roger, who are living separately. They, I don't even know if they know that the other one exists. Um, oh, and, and nor, I, nor, nor should they, according to the lore. Right, or pa- the... Pongo's got to set them up. Pongo's exactly. got to exactly does his job. Yeah. Um, but we see. So I guess, I guess Cruella's dogs had like something happened those three dalmatians got a little frisky with each other that's where i these, mean i assume I guess so that's got to be where these puppies came from yeah. um but uh roger is gifted i guess just for like thanks for helping out or something thanks for everything <laughs> you i i have no idea um but gives roger gifts roger pongo goes ahead and names them for them that's too. a little like hey that's a little bold Meet it's well, bold. it's Cruella though. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, meet Roger, meet Pongo, and Anita, <laughs> meet per- Perdita. It was always fuzzy. It was a stranger name for the female dog. Um, but hmm. I'm pretty sure, like, even I'm pretty sure Pongo was wearing a red collar and Perdita was wearing a, a blue one, and mm. and it was just like, oh yeah, like you know, and it could just be like an ambiguous, like easter egg it could just be a wink at the audience but i kind of hope it isn't i hope it like i hope it's like you know a sign of what's to come Hmm. um because i think i think it'd be fun i think it'd be fun to like Mm -hmm. you know i want i'm ready to see this cruella as the villain i'm ready to hate her i've loved her now i'm ready to hate her Hmm. so what were your thoughts on the post-credit scene Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I loved it. I, uh, I, like I said, I, I was, uh, brought up with the cartoon. So the, the whole film being set in the seven, I guess it was more of the seventies than the sixties. This time it was the seventies instead of the sixties, but it still had that older proper feel to it. It had the older proper feel compared to say the nineties. So I, I loved it. And the post credit scene, I mean, I loved it. It was great 
having those peripheral characters in Anita and Roger really kind of putting a bow on them and giving them some connective tissue to the story we had seen and the 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 actual story that we know that takes place after after this film. So I, I absolutely loved it. And on the on the note of peripheral characters, I really loved Horace and Jasper. I I thought they did. Oh, yeah. I thought they did a great. I, I'm I'm glad that they um, really gave those characters some breadth of life compared to the cartoon renditions of them that are just kind of a couple of blokes. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, arguably one of them still is just for comedic relief. But um, I, I thought it was fun just both the characters that they gave Richard to, and I loved seeing the relationship dynamics and how those changed as Estella became Cruella. And she, you know, starts mistreating them. And um, I, I thought there was a lot of depth there. Did you, when the credits rolled, like literally after the post credit scenes rolled, I, want, I turned to the person I was watching this with, and I want to know if you wanted this too. I thought the dynamic was good for the whole portion of the film with Horace and Jasper and Cruella, but I didn't quite understand Horace and Jasper sticking with Cruella like up to the credit scene like walking into her mansion just because they hated who she became and they were tired of being treated poorly and they even like made a point of saying this they said listen we don't like what you've become like you're literally driving across along the road and we're saying we don't want to get into a car with you and yet they still decide to align with her and help her out at the end and then just stick with her and I thought that was a little weird how we see who we see this trio before she's Cruella and then we see them become more uncomfortable and they kind of come to a point where they say we can't go any further and then they just kind of keep going. And I thought that didn't, didn't re- really make sense from their perspective. Did that bother you at all? So like catch your why, attention? Why do they go on to become henchmen is kind yeah, of, yeah. Like I'm why, why are they even involved? Like why wouldn't they just walk away? Because they quite clearly, from a character perspective, want nothing to do with Cruella. They are uncomfortable with everything about her, how they treat her, what she's doing. And I just thought it was weird how they literally like put a line in the sand. They're like, we're not doing anything with you. And then they just kind of shrug and say, "Never mind. I guess we are. Which I mean, I don't know. I, that I think confused me a little bit because it's not like they're like, Oh, we don't like criminal activity. No, they no, no, they're no. criminals. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think in a weird way, it's, I think in a weird way, it's consistent with who they're supposed to be. I mean, they don't mm. like her in the original, mm. right? In, 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 in 101 True. Dalmatians, it's not like they've got a lot of love for her. Right. She treats right. them like dirt. They're, um, they're employees and or like henchmen and that's it. They're, yeah, they're, they're nothing just criminals. More. I don't know. Maybe she's you know, like, here's, here's the thing. If you take two, two, and here we go. If you take two street rats, um, <laughs> like, like Horace and Jasper, uh, you know, I think if she offers them half a million dollars a year to do her bidding each they're doing it i I think your morals disappear pretty quick i Mm. think you you know you quickly lose whatever spine you were starting to grow (laughs) and you you kind of just you know you you just i don't know you're a criminal right it's it's the life of crime 
you know, and I agree with you. They do what they do because they like money and they like to not work for it. Yeah, and I agree with you, and I think that's logical. I just think it's a far departure from the beginning where we see this trio so tight knit, where they're like propelling Estella to further her career and not just be a thief. Like that, that says so much about where their relationship was at that. I didn't really want it to progress to the point where we saw it in the cartoon or the original live action. And I thought maybe we could have just progressed to say, hey, we're reimagining this trio. They don't necessarily have to be this kind of really uneven balance of this jerk who treats mistreats these two guys. But maybe maybe that's what, what they're supposed to be ultimately. I don't know. Well, and I mean, maybe if, maybe if we do get another movie going forward maybe we will see more depth to them than what we're used to like they're they help her out at the end but i'm wondering like i don't know like they they talked a big game about leaving (laughs) um But there's a lot... It's not like he. they just met each other a couple of weeks ago. There's a mm-hmm. lot of history there. Sure. There, There's a bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder if, you know, like, if, if Pete, all of a sudden, if you got really into cocaine, <laughs> I might say something in, in, a, in a scared, desperate, trying to get you to stop. Mm-hmm manner i might Mm. say pete (laughs) i'm no longer i can't be your friend anymore i can't Mm -hmm. talk to you if you're going to do this to yourself sure and when you responded with okay uh and continued to you know to ride the white powder train (laughs) i would probably you know much to my dismay i i wouldn't just like you know there's 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 caring there that's you know so i wonder if like so i I would come back i wouldn't be like you know i would talk to you because i'd be like well okay well shoot that didn't work Mm -hmm. um and so i wonder if that's kind of what it is right like i wonder if they still love her and they still have that's true they still have love for her yeah uh and want her redemptive story um and you know tried to walk away realize they can't and but maybe if they're maybe if they are around her and with her or something they'll be able to get the old cruella back or something i don't know and and i, I mean i think that's i i do i really appreciate what you're saying because that I wasn't, that's the only bitter taste that was left in my mouth with this trio on the screen. But I think that, that, that I can live with. I can be sold on that. That makes sense to me. I also don't think she's above, like, you know, it it may start out that way. And then I also don't think that Cruella is particularly above extortion or like blackmail or like Mm. them ending up in a, in a position where for whatever reason they can't leave. Mm. Yeah. Fair. So, but who knows? Yep. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll what see. Th- what else did you think, sir? I have two Let's- things that I want to talk about that I thought. 
And okay. I thought about them when I was watching this film, and they're more actor-specific. And I asked myself how... There are two, two questions, but the same question for different people. How does this rank in Emma Stone's body of work? And how does this rank in Emma Thompson's body of work? For me, Ooh. those were, there are a lot of big names in this, but for me, those were the two that I was really honed in on. Specifically, I, I, like we've talked about Emma Stone. She almost made my list of top actors, and Emma Thompson is just great. So for obvious reasons, they both just captured my attention. And I wondered this throughout. Like I really paid attention to how they were portraying these characters, and I, I honestly just wanted to answer ask this question to you. I can give you my answer as well, but I, I want to break that down a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're asking me. I'm asking you. I think, so I'll start with Emma Stone. I think it, it should rank relatively high. I think sure. this is um, character acting. I think it's it's, you know, much of the time especially when she's got the black and white hair, I mm. think you can almost, and, and because she's doing the accent, so you don't have that, that very um, iconic Emma Stone voice. Um, mm. I think you can, you can almost lose yourself in the fact that she's Cruella and not Emma Stone. Uh, so I think, I think Emma Stone's performance in this is incredible. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really really good. Hmm. Um, Emma Thompson, um, you know, I would I don't think it's as high up on her body of work as this film is for um, for Emma Stone, but, but I don't necessarily think I don't know if that's a comment on her performance in this movie. Or if it's more a comment on just the impressiveness of the rest of like of her <laughs> body of work, right? Um, yeah, and and that she's got this fuller career of sure. things like Saving Mr. Banks, and mm, yeah. um, you know, and and so yeah, it's it's hard to say. Um, I would still put it above, like on a scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. put, you know, of, you know, if if all of her, if if she'd only ever done ten things, <laughs> I I would say that this would be like a seven. It's still up there. Whereas cool. this is like a nine on Emma Stone's. It's like right. a seven on Emma Thompson's. Okay. Okay. I would I would actually go a little bit in the reverse. So with Emma Stone, I would say it was good. It was respectable. I would echo all the things you said. I would just say there's more roles that I was more impressed with um, that I've seen with her in, like La La Land. Obviously, that ranks high with me. Crazy Stupid Love. There's a lot of films. So I think it was a good uh, acting role for her, and I think she did a great job. But I would say it's not her best best and that's not a knock on this performance it's just there there's a lot of other performances i like more with emma thompson and again it's a slippery slope because i don't want to be going down shooting down any of her other works and i'm not but i think this might be near the top if not the top for emma thompson for me and i just thought she did such an incredible job 
playing such a sickening human being. And uh, you could argue that it's one dimensional or that it's, there wasn't too much to do because it was just written how sickening she was just by who she, the, the character, but she, Emma Thompson portrayed it so well. I was never, I was never annoyed or I never found the character corny or I never found it too much. Or I like, I just found it believable and I found myself despising who this person was because it was brought to life so well with Emma Thompson. So I think it's such a, right. such a unique role compared to a lot of other roles she's played compared to a lot of other roles in Hollywood in general that I thought this might be near the top of her list, if not the top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think long and the short of it is I think both were great. I think I just thought Emma Thompson's was a little bit more difficult to do to carry off without us getting annoyed or without, uh, without, without us just getting sick of getting, okay, we get it. She's bad. She's an asshole. Let's just move on. And I never had that. I never had that. So, yeah. Fair. Both were good, but Emma Fair. Thompson, I think, was just a little bit better. Cool. Cool. Oh, yeah. What did you... My only other thing... What did you think about the concept... Or what do you think of the concept, and what did you think about it in this case, when a movie's soundtrack is almost entirely, like, pop culture songs from the time era? Uh, I thought it was amazing. I thought like <laughs> every time it was okay. So two things. One, uh, because they're older songs, I was like every time a song played and I knew the song, I was like, oh yeah, like like <laughs> this is cool. I wasn't expecting this, and I wasn't. And and every time a song played, there was like a brief second where I was like, does this match the tone? Uh. But then I constantly realized, yes, um, because it is chaotic. And even even though the songs seemed somewhat out of place, that is the tone. Out of place and chaotic and different and unpredictable and... and eccentric. And, and so it, I think... I think there was so much storytelling and so much tone setting that was done with the music that they chose. Um, I loved it. I the I ate the music up. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think this has to. You have to be careful when you do this as a film, because I feel like if you you can you can rely on it a little bit too much, and if you make some poor decisions or some not ideal decisions it can be a little can be either a little bit tacky or a little over the top or just it eventually becomes hollow just because you get an oversaturation you just kind of get used to it but this film did it very effectively and i i have to agree that it was it was done well and it really did give a bolt of energy to certain scenes and to the flow of the film so i'd agree awesome awesome Mm -hmm. uh do you have anything else written down I think that's about it. The only other thing I wanted to mention that I thought it was interesting that um, obviously Emma Stone did not smoke cigarettes in this film. And I guess this has been a decision Disney had made when in 2007 they banned characters being shown smoking in their films. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because she should have the, not just the cigarette, but it's like a cigarette holder thing, right? Is that it like sort a, of iconic. is it called a filter? I'm not sure, but it's like that stick thing. That, yeah. Um, yeah, Rose Rose used one in Titanic. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and... Which was I don't know. Which was before two thousand seven, so it was like in when Disney made Titanic, it still fit within their policy. Uh, yeah. What? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's tough. I didn't notice it until you just said it, uh, mm. and it's fair that like I, I I don't know I think the fact that I didn't notice until you just said it means that it doesn't really matter that it wasn't there sure um, but now that you've pointed it out it's bothering me <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know yeah because I'm thinking to myself oh like there's so much of like you know so much of, of when I see Roger when she shows up to check on the the pregnancy of the dogs like you know, so much of the interaction that I want her to have with Roger is Roger, like, you know, brushing the smoke from her cigarette out of his face as, with this disgusted look on his face. And mm. I mean, it's it's very clear, like, if you didn't know about Disney's ban, you know, you could think, oh, well, you know, maybe she just hasn't picked up the habit yet or something. <laughs> um, but, but she's not going to, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless for some bizarre reason they go back on it. Um, <laughs> which I doubt. Oh, I doubt. Um, there's no reason to, I don't know why you would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it does feel like a main, you know, if you were making a list of like things about Cruella Deville, if I was like, you know, put down 10 bullet points and give me the character of Cru- Cruella Deville, you would put, uh, black and white hair, uh, crazy, wears fur, uh, drives that baller car, <laughs> um, has henchmen, smokes cigarettes, smoke chain smokes, essentially. She um, tastes like cigarettes. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I get why it's not there and I think it's okay. Um, it does feel a little bit like it's, like it's lacking that now that I'm aware of it. Thanks for that. Um, but <laughs> I was okay with it, but overall, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. So cool. Zero to 10, sir. All right. Uh, as you know, I use two different rating scales to review movies. One is my own scale and the number equates to how much effort do I want to put into the viewing of a film? The other scale is what we refer to as Marshall scale. That's just a traditional, Hey, where does it land on 0 to 10? So on my scale, it was a 6.9. So it wasn't quite I would pay money to see it in theaters. It falls into the I would buy it category. So I think in this circumstance, in this uh, COVID streaming of new videos world, it probably makes sense where it landed because I, I, I don't need to see this in theaters. But For $35 on the internet. Yeah, but for paying the additional fee on Disney Plus sounds about right. So, you know, I think that lands. Uh, I put as much effort into it as I think it deserves. And I think I'm, I'm saying that in a positive way. 
Um, sure. On Marshall scale, just as a traditional person, person's, hey, where does it go on a zero to ten? It's pretty similar. It's a seven. I could be maybe convinced to an eight. So I'm somewhere between a seven or an eight. But regardless, okay. a solid film. Like we talked about, I, it's a double-edged sword. I kind of wish they had the tone had picked up in that first half. I wish they had moved past the character development to get into let's have this moral demise of the person. But like you alluded to, it's a double-edged sword. If you move too quick, the audience isn't going to care. Like you need to have some attachment. So I get it. But um, a pretty good film. Yeah. What do you? I'm curious where this lands on on your scale. Uh, I give it a uh, eight point five. Interesting. And out out of context, like back the first time, I know you've seen it a couple times. What did you give Joker? Uh, it must have been at least a nine or a nine point five, maybe a ten. Okay, so a little bit lower than Joker, a little bit. Yeah, I must have given it a. I I think I would have given it a ten because there was no quarrels sure. that I had with Joker. Mm-hmm. Just that it ended. Um, just that it ended. That, that <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eight point five. I, I. It's great. I think it's really good. Um, I will likely in the next. I will. I'll. I'll wait until it's no longer premiere access. Um, but as soon as it's like on Disney plus just for my regular subscription price, uh, I will definitely probably give it a a second, second viewing. That's fair. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, speaking of Marshall and Marshall scale, (laughs) Marshall has a question for us. Hey fellas, it's Marshall. This week I watched a 1928 film by Charlie Chaplin called the circus he directed it produced it wrote it starred in it and even composed the soundtrack i thought that was pretty impressive what did you guys watch this week you know i've i i've seen the robert downey jr chaplin movie Ooh, have you i have and it's good i recommend it highly recommend it it's been on my radar Um, and the only Chaplin, like when I think of Chaplin, I think of two things. There's mm. that, they're both like silent shorts. Sure. And they're the the one where the house is like blowing around or something. He's in a house oh. that's like, okay, you know. And then the other is this like iconic image of Charlie Chaplin where he's like, he's in some sort of industrial factory. Hmm. And he's like, in the gear like he's he's like there's these massive gears and he's like caught in the gears going through the gears like a like a gummy worm or something i'll I'll send it i'll send (laughs) if that's not ringing a bell i will i'll track down a link on youtube and i'll send it to you but i don't think i've i my chaplain repertoire is not what it should be hmm it's I would agree. I I am not well versed, and I feel like he's a he was a pioneer and a, a an expert in his craft. But I am not very well versed. The only thing that comes to mind, I think there's some short film called the Is it the Great Dictator? And I've seen snippets of it, and it's also been featured in some pop culture music. Um, in the last say fifteen or twenty years, so uh, that would be probably the most I'm familiar with. But I'm not well versed in Charlie Chaplin. All right. Okay. Um. So what the hell did you watch? 
<laughs> I've got a few things to report this week. Wow. Um, the first thing, which might not be that popular in this circle, which by that I mean you and I. Uh, I watched a 2007 film called Premonition. It starred Sandra Bullock. It was one of those films that we were just trying to figure out something to watch, and it fell into that category of like a thriller mystery. And I just wanted something to keep me guessing, to keep me um, interested, to keep me motivated to keep watching. And you know what? It's not Oscar bait. It's not a movie that I would put on my DVD shelf. But for what it was, it kept me interested. There was a couple plot points that I thought were a little weak, and we talked about afterwards that, yeah, you know, there's some things that it falls through. But for what it was, it was an entertaining 90 minutes or however long it was. And for that, I thought it was an interesting watch. The next thing I watched is going to be something I'll be talking about for a while, my wife and I decided decided to rewatch Lost. I've seen I have a it. question. I'm going to oh, interrupt yeah. you. No. I have a question. Please. Why can you refer mm-hmm. to your wife when it comes to talking about <laughs> watching Lost? Okay. <laughs> but then you say sentences like, I turned to the person I watched it with when talking about Cruella. Like, I, I was like, I felt like calling you out on that and just being like, like, unless you were sitting next to, like, Donald Trump or something and he didn't want me to think less of you. That's interesting. I don't know why I say that. I really don't. All right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, well, welcome to the show, Pete's wife. Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen it. I watched Lost when it came out. Gosh, it's it finished 11 years ago. But coincidentally, a lot of people on my timeline have been doing rewatches. Both people I know personally, both people I just interact with on social media, and both people that like I follow on social media, but like I don't know them if that makes sense. So, it's been it's not just been like one, it's been like two or three different sources have been doing a rewatch and then talking about their experiences and how things have aged and not aged well. So I, I was curious enough to say, hey, let's do a rewatch, and that's something we've tackled. So uh, we've started our rewatch, and we'll be continuing. There's six seasons, so for the next while, every time we talk about what we watched, that will be on the radar. The last thing I watched was also a premium access piece of content that we buckled down and signed up for a free trial just to access. We watched the much celebrated or much anticipated, I don't even know what you'd call it, the Friends Reunion episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is that tone for? Oh, it was, there was a big smile on my face. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, okay, it wasn't like a... Oh. Okay. And I'm like, now I'm like looking around searching for the tissue box again and like... Oh, Okay, I think I misunderstood your oh yeah. Oh, I wept. Oh. I wept. Yeah. Okay. I I really misunderstood you. I thought your oh yeah was uh was maybe a little bit opposite of what you're feeling. So I'm I'm Oh intrigued, no, it was not it was not meant to be judgmental no, no. Or, or critical. No, no, no. Um but yeah, I watched it and I, I have not watched Friends all the way through. So maybe that's something I'll have to do some point in my life. I've seen enough 
that I'm familiar, I'm versed in the show. And even though I wasn't a lifer or a, I've watched this all the way through, I really enjoyed the special. I really got a kick out of it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was interesting getting some tidbits. I got a little sentimental seeing all the actors back together again. I thought it was great. It was, uh, however long it was, it was a time well spent. Very happy to have watched it. And for the next, like, day or two afterwards, whenever I had, like, a spare 30 minutes, I was like, gee, I feel like watching Friends. Yeah. um, So those are the things I watched this week. All right. What did you... I'm assuming I know one thing you watched. I watched the Friends reunion, which was an hour and 45 minutes long. Um, I've seen every episode of Friends oh. maybe seven times. Um, seven times. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's just so... It's everything. It's Friends is... Friends is and they capture really well. When they're talking, they're doing, like, interviews with just random viewers from different countries around the world. Mm. They capture it perfectly. They capture yes. what it is about Friends. Yeah. Um, and so it was an hour and 45 minutes long and I, uh, I was the next morning I was texting Emily Mater, who, uh, mm. who's a frequent on our show. Um, mm. and also I would say equally as big a friends fan as I am. Um, oh, wow. and she asked me, she said, you know, what'd you think of it? And I, the only thing I said, two things, I said, one that the, the bomb dropped about, about um, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston actually having some onset <laughs> steaminess that right. was uh, that was a that was a bomb drop that was for sure juicy juicy. Um, the other was I said, uh, and I don't mean this in a um, uh, uh, oh why am I gapping on words? I don't mean this in a. Uh, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, you, I don't mean feeling? this sarcastic. I don't mean this sarcastically. That's not the word okay. I'm looking for, but I, I okay. don't mean this in a frivolous, just hmm. saying this kind of way. Sure. Uh, I said to her, I said, you know what? It could have been six hours longer than it was, <laughs> and I still would have been engaged. I right. still would have been there. Hmm. eating up every second of it um right it was amazing yeah I it cried. was good i definitely cried um hmm. uh, that's cool i so then just full stop full stop i i did not know th- i knew this about emily so for some reason it had come up and i i had an awareness of her enjoyment of friends for some reason i did not know anything about your enjoyment of friends and that's why my oh yeah was like that's why I just misread your oh yeah and I thought you were gonna say oh I'm not into it or some such so that's really I I I'm I'm in agreement it was really good yeah I mean I don't talk about it a lot but I think it's because you know like I'll talk about how um you know I'll talk about how much I love Batman um <laughs> you know Batman's maybe not for everyone sure. um. But, like, I, I guess I don't talk about my love for friends much because it's, like, I assume you also feel the same way. And if you don't, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> I just don't, like, there's just something right. wrong with you. Like, I don't, I don't know how to on, be in the same room as you. Um, on, on, that, on that topic, I think I'm in agreement and I'm not even a friend's lifer. 
I remember back in the day when How I Met Your Mother came out, or was running rather, and there was this whole kind of big brother, big sister, like who's who's really the better show. And there was a point I was like, hmm, like, yeah, maybe they've got equal playing fields. You know, they each have their own merits. And at the time, I I could have been susceptible to such an argument. Now I just, I look back at the two shows, both just how they've aged and even both just how they kind of progressed about how they concluded and all that jazz. And they are just different ballparks, different planes, different everything. There is a one and a definitive two. And Friends is so far ahead, it's not even funny. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave in to The Temptation, uh, yep. and I'm about a third of the way through the first season um, since watching The Reunion. Um, oh, wow. Oh, come again. Oh, yeah. oh, where are you, where oh, are you yeah. going? And it's where so you good. Just like these moments of like, so my favorite character is and has always been Chandler. Um, Interesting, and uh, which he looked like a little, little rough. He looked a little rough in the. Yeah, um, I mean, reunion. there's a whole history about Matthew Perry, and yeah. and for a couple of seasons during the show, he was addicted to Vicodin, and then he oh dear, um, and then he was an alcoholic. He was in and out of rehab like four times during the filming of of Friends. Um, and oh. now he actually has opened and runs his own rehab center and oh, like all him. of this. He actually, he's gone on record and said there's like two or three seasons of the show that he has no memory of. He doesn't remember. Oh, wow. He oh, wow. can't recall that time. Um, so anyways, but yeah, he's just so good, right? Like there's this mm-hmm. moment. So Chandler, Chandler, this is the first episode of Friends, but Chandler is uh, he's the one that's got like the boring desk job, the cubicle <laughs> office, work your way up the corporate ladder kind of job. And mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, well, kids, I better go get to work. If I don't put those numbers, doesn't make much of a difference. And it's just like, it's it's so good. The show's so good. Anyways, yeah, uh, so I yeah. watched that. Um, and then because I am forever the self-proclaimed completist, I watched, uh, following last week, I watched Iron Man 2, Thor, hmm. Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, boy. And then the Avengers. Uh, so I've, I have completed, I have capped phase one of the <laughs> MCU. Uh, and next, next stop, Iron Man 3. So to clarify, you're watching Friends all the way through, like... Yeah, probably. Yeah. So you've got you got a lot of fires poking like a lot of uh things on the go here. You got friends, MCU yep. rewatch. Um yep. you've got I mean, this is less frequent, but it's still on the go. Your Batman series that we're doing together. Yeah. My goodness. See, that's like that's a lot of things to keep straight. And and on top of that, I'm releasing an hour's worth of right. YouTube content every That's weekday. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And working, and working a 40-hour, like a full-time job. Look at you go, man. Look yeah. at you go. That's awesome. There's, and watching 24. Now, I still don't mean this in a crude way. That's still going on? Because I... How many seasons are there of 24? Yeah, so there's... Uh, 
so that's i mean we're i'll probably be wrapping up the third season tonight it oh, like 24 okay. took a back seat to star wars and then oh, kind of sure. took a back seat to the beginning of the mcu um gotcha so yep. tonight is like the awaited return to to 24 but there's gotcha. there to answer your question there's eight and a half seasons uh and a oh. movie oh for some reason yeah that's a lot of seasons okay okay cool so, yeah wrap it up well, I'll wrap it up with our usual business, and I'll announce the contest winners for our draw. Um, yeah, which we'll also <laughs> announce on Facebook, just in case you like entered the contest but haven't gotten around to see Cruella. Right, like, right. You know, yeah, uh, and that yeah. Um, I'll do the the housekeeping. Please like, follow, subscribe, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know where to do it. Um, Please rate and review us positively wherever you're listening to us, if you haven't done so already. Uh, check out our Patreon page and our merchandise page. It's ways for us to give you perks, and it's ways for you to help us uh, maintain and grow the show. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And um, until next time. And here are our contest winners that I'll announce in order of that they were drawn. So it's not really any specific order. But, but these are the com- orders that we these- like you <laughs> in the most. <laughs> it is not. Um, coincidentally. Coincidentally. So these people won $10 iTunes gift cards, but when we get in contact with each of them individually, if you're listening, iTunes isn't your thing, I'll work something out with you. But the first winner is Marshall. The second winner is Andrew. And the third winner is Daphne. All right, are our three winners? Yeah, we've we've left last names out because it's you know if that's not you, it's none of your business. Um, (laughs) But uh, we will get in touch with you. Will our people will call you? Don't be Mm -hmm. don't show up at Pete's door in five minutes and be like, "Where's my gift card?" No, (laughs) we will. It'll be like Turbo Man in uh, Jingle All the Way, where. Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger will show up at my house and I'll say, listen, I don't actually have the gift card. It's a gift receipt for a gift card and it'll come in four to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll have a ponytail and I'll be in front of like a cassette shelf. Right. And then you'll have a sudden overwhelming urge to, to punch Pete in the nose. And <laughs> when that happens, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. <laughs>